morning, everybody. Good to see y'all today. I want to pray uh, before we get into the word this morning. And uh, before we do, I have a friend, and uh, he's done a lot of things in life, been a professional athlete, uh, done a lot in the television and film industry and politics, things like that. And after experiencing all those things, I asked him one day, I said, uh, I said, how do you, how are you like at this point in your life, like everybody's so goal-driven in our society, at this point in your life, like how do you define, how do you even define success? And with, without skipping a beat, he, he looked back at me and said, Nick, success is finding peace in your life. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, today, life happens to all of us, whether you be in this auditorium or watching online today. And uh, it can be a bit of a tumultuous up and down ride. And my prayer for you today is regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you feel about yourself, about your family, about your vocation, about the, the things that are going on in our society and in our world, my prayer for you today is that you would find peace in your life. Yes, yes. Can yes. we pray together? Let's pray together. Let's ask God. Let's ask God to do what only God can do. We, we, we can all experience a lot of good church, a lot of good singing, a lot of good preaching. But I don't know about you, I need God's touch in my life. I need to experience God. I need to feel him with me. So let's pray today. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this space. We thank you for this opportunity. God, we just remind ourselves how, how blessed we are to have a space to come and open our hearts and open our minds to think and allow you to speak directly to us. God, we pray today and we ask today that you would meet us in a very real and tangible way. God, not in a clinical way that is cold and sterile, but God, that we would feel the warmth of heaven. We would feel the warmth of our God. We would feel the touch of our God for those that are in need of healing, that they would experience healing. God, for those who are in need of peace that are going through tumultuous, just burdensome situations, God, that you would meet us right where we're at. Yes, God. Yes. God, we ask these things in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated today. So great to see everybody. Thank you. Can we give it up for the worship team, everybody who led us in music this morning? Everybody happy? Look at your neighbor, ask them, are you happy? No grumpies allowed? Let them know, no grumpies allowed. I want to read a passage of scripture this morning, and uh, it's going to take me just a second to kind of get through it, and I want you to, if you don't have your Bibles or your phone, just follow along on the screen. Now, I grew up in church, so I know that this is the part of the service that everything within you will think about everything else other than what I'm reading, okay? Like, your <laughs> mind's going to think about what you want to have for lunch after we talk. You're going to be talking, thinking about the flavor of your gum and how good it tastes. You're going to be thinking about the person behind you and what they're wearing. So try the very best that you can, okay? to track along with me because I think it's really going to help us today. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to read uh, from a familiar, if you've been around church for any length of time, it may be a passage of scripture that seems somewhat familiar to you. Uh, if you're new to faith, kind of the way that the story goes, the message of Christianity is that God sent his son to earth to die and be resurrected so that humanity, when we place our faith in him, that we don't have to be victim to just circumstance and our way of living and our failures and our shortcomings, but God can see us through the lens of Christ. So we're going to pick up this passage of scripture, and it kind of happens right before Jesus is about to be uh, taken away to be crucified, and he's meeting with his disciples. He has picked these like average Joes off the street. Many of them were fishermen, and he took them off, and he said, follow me. We're going to do great things, and they do miracles, and they experience all this stuff, and he kind of in the background is speaking in code, and he kind of lets them know that it's not always going to be like this. 
We're not always going to be together. In fact, one day uh, it's going to take a, a left turn. It's going to be a bit of a curveball for you. And I'm actually going to be crucified. And he kind of talks in code. And they didn't really know exactly what he was talking about. So he, he's kind of setting the table for this. So in Matthew chapter 26, I'm reading out of the NIV translation this morning. And uh, we're going to look, let me start in verse 31. We'll kind of jump around for a second. So let's just focus in here. It says, then Jesus told them, this very night you will, everybody say you will, all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So then Peter, who is one of the disciples, he responds and he says this, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. So Jesus responds again. He says, yeah, but Peter, he says, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me. Three times. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples, other disciples said the same. So time goes on. Um, the chief priests and the elders, Judas, if you kind of know the story, they come to get Jesus. We're going to move down to verse 50, and it says this. Jesus says to Judas, do what you came for. About then a man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions, we know from different translations and books of the Bible, this person is actually Peter, says that Peter reached for his sword, he drew it out, and he struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear, okay? So picture this in your mind. So Jesus responds and he says, put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. So time goes on, we're going to kind of fast forward a little bit, and Jesus is taken away. Peter has kind of been like embarrassed and humiliated and kind of confused by this whole situation. Here he tried to stand up for Jesus. Pick up in verse 69. It says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath saying, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. The Bible says, then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And the Bible says he went outside and wept bitterly. Now I'm going to go over to the book of John because every, every book of the Bible, I don't know if, for those of you that may not be super familiar with, uh, with scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are all kind of testaments of the life of, of Jesus. And it tells them through different perspectives. Every person has a different perspective. We see things differently. So John, John kind of tells us something that the others don't. After Jesus is crucified, he comes back from the dead. He's been disowned by many of, dis of the disciples. We're emphasizing and talking about Peter today. He comes to Peter, and if you know the story, he, he kind of goes through this, this spiel that's somewhat familiar. He comes to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. He says, if you love me, feed my sheep. He says this two or three times. We're going to pick it up on the third time. Verse 17 of John chapter 21, it says this. The third time he said to them, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The text says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you. Uh, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And this is the important part right here. Then he said to him, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Peter turned and saw that uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Speaking of John, verse 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? 
Jesus answered, if I want him to be, remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And again, emphasis on this part, you must follow me. Everybody say, you must follow me. Uh, I remember being, uh, when, I was, when I was younger, my family, we, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't like super well off. My dad is my hero and a huge happy Father's Day to him uh, for, for just a plethora of reasons. And I'll mention some of them today throughout the course of our uh, discussion this morning. But my dad, I mean, he had courage that most people do not. He, at 30 years old, he moves his family all across the United States uh, for this dream that he had in his heart to go to Bible school because he believed that one day God had called him to start a church. I mean, it's something that's pretty much unheard of. So my dad, we didn't have a lot of money. He was making $22 a day, throwing newspapers. And as a kid, we, we didn't really know that we had, didn't have money. God took care of us and all that kind of stuff. But I remember being in grade school and I remember it was like the first time that I remember that, uh, that they, they pulled up and they picked me up from school and they had like this brand new car. And as a kid, like when your parents get a brand new car, I mean, you're like super pumped and excited. So they pull up in this brand new car and I know it sounds like it was like a Mercedes Benz. It was like a Toyota Avalon or something like that. But for me, it, it mine's well have been in Mercedes Benz and so we're excited and we're looking inside the car and seeing all the cool things that it does and wow this is so awesome super pumped well a couple days later um, they pull up again and they pull up this time they have a different brand new car and I'm thinking wow these guys are getting crazy with it you know like really God must be blessing us and and so they pull up and I'm excited again as a little kid and I get inside the car except when I get inside the car my emotions completely instantaneously automatically change because my mom has one of those foam neck braces around her neck that, that you see people wear when they're injured and they told me that my mom had gotten in a car accident she was getting on the freeway or off the freeway and somebody had hit her and I remember thinking what I, I, I don't know about you but but uh, in my family when you're younger you kind of just think that your parents are somewhat invincible or like they know more things that you find out when you get actually older than they actually did you know and I remember thinking like how could that happen to to a member of my family, you know, like a car accident, we're, we're supposed to be protected by God and all this kind of stuff, and so time went on, and I remember getting into 15 and a half, 16 years old when I got my permit, and I'm thinking, well, all of a sudden, I start to remember when my mom got in this car accident, kind of afraid that, well, maybe something will happen to me, but I remember kind of, my ego was pretty big, and I'm thinking to myself, it's going to be different for me, like, I'll never get into a car accident, you know, God, God will protect me, like, I have more divine revelation than they did back then, like, somehow, some way, have you ever been there where you just kind of convince yourself that it may have happened for everybody else that way, but for me, for me, it's going to be different. Until, until one day I was in college and I was driving down the road and my red Jeep Wrangler was with my buddy Joe and we come into this uh, intersection and my phone rings. I picked up my phone, right? You probably shouldn't do that. And the light was turning yellow and I look over and there's a car coming and their light's getting ready to turn green and they're anticipating it. But everything goes into slow motion if you've ever been in a car accident. And he taps me on the shoulder and he's like, Nick, look. And I'm like, ah, and I can't stop fast enough. And I remember it was like a movie. I looked to the right and the window just illuminates and the car just plowed into the side of us. And we go up on two wheels and we're on into the lane of oncoming traffic and we're bracing for impact. And by some miracle, the the Jeep just slams down onto all four wheels again, and we kind of bounce into this parking lot. And I remember sitting there, and instantaneously, like, my mind, for whatever reason, goes back to the accident that my mom had. Here I find myself in this situation. I remember being overwhelmed with just emotion, and it was, it was the, the most, like, chaotic emotions. When I say chaotic, I mean diverse. Like, you feel sad, and then you feel overwhelmed, and then you're grateful, but you also feel depressed and this is kind of what you experience in life when things don't go according to plan. 
I don't know if you've ever been there. You thought your life was going to play out one way. You had this picture for your marriage. You had this picture for your family. You had this picture for your business. You had this picture for your church. You had this picture for your vocational life. And yet somehow, some way, life happens. And you think to yourself, man, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. This, this isn't how I, I foresaw things. This is not what I had planned. But isn't this kind of life? I mean, <laughs> I know I'm in a room full of a bunch of church people, and we like to act like we don't go through life. But can I ask you a real personal question? Like, when's the last time you actually remember things going according to plan? No, I mean, like, just think about it. Like, you have moments where, like, yeah, okay, it kind of went. But, but isn't most of life just, like, dealing with the curveballs? I don't know about you, but I track a lot of successful people, and every time I've heard them, how did you get here? Did it look like what you thought it would look? I have yet to hear one person say, yeah, man, I just made a plan, and it just happened. <laughs> no, what, what, what do they always say? If I'm honest with you, there were times where I didn't think I was going to make it. There were times that it seemed so dark, I didn't think that I would find my way through. And yet somehow, some way, I, I made it through. Most of life is learning. <laughs> this is not like a super like feel-good message, but most of life is learning how to deal with things that don't go according to plan. This is, in essence, what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand. He gets them in this room, and he says, hey, guys. Things are about to kind of change. And I know you probably in your mind, because you're human beings, you have this picture of what it's going to look like, but I just want to let you know, it's probably not going to look like that. But see, the disciples are a lot like us. We think that it can be different for us. We think, yeah, but not for me. I can fix it. I'm, I'm, I'm a disciple. I'm, I'm a man of God. I know the scripture. I know God's promises. It's going to be, it's going to be different for me. And, and because they're so uncertain about who they are and their worth and why they matter, they make this whole thing about them. And Jesus is not telling them that they're going to betray him because Jesus is concerned or, or isn't going to love them or disappointed in them because they're going to betray him. He understands what he is dealing with. What he's trying to get them to see is, God, it's not about that. You have to own in life. If if you want a good life, if you want a life that's full of peace, if you want a life that's full of provision, if you want a life that's truly full of prosperity, I'm not talking about on the outside because I can give you provision on the outside and it will serve you for a moment. But if you ever got provision on the inside, it would serve you for a lifetime. What he's trying to get people to see is, hey, things aren't going to go according to plan, but you're going to be okay. Peter responds, and Peter's so much like me sometimes. Or I'm so much like him, right? Like, <laughs> you know, Peter was a lot like me. Um, so, <laughs> but really think about it. Peter's like, yeah, but not me, Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a real Christian. <laughs> I'm not like everybody else. Like, I know those Sunday morning attenders, but I'm like devoted. I fast and I pray. Right? I'm consecrated. I worship when nobody's looking. Not me, Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, even you, Peter. In fact, you, you're going to deny me three times. Not, 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 not me, but as it plays out, that's kind of what, what happens, right? When we look at the story, I mean, Peter finds himself in this position. If you kind of replay it, here they come to collect Jesus. And I can imagine, like most of us, it's like, I'm going to prove something to God. Have you ever been there? Am I the only one? 
I'm going to pray this one through. I don't care if I have to stay up all night. I'm going to pray until God changes my situation. How does that work for you? Peter is convinced, and so he thinks this is his moment to prove to God that, no, God, everybody else may betray you, but not me. He pulls out his sword. Picture this. This is so hilarious to me. He picks out his sword, and I'm sure in his mind he's, like, picturing some, like, movie where it's like, get them, boys, and it's like attack, and Peter leads the way, and he's known as this world-renowned leader. But, no, he pulls out the sword, and he goes to kill the guy, and he misses and chops off the guy's ear. Like, I can imagine all of the other disciples. Way to go, Pete. <laughs> Got him by the ear, you know? I'm sure that was pretty embarrassing. See, when things don't go according to plan, if we're honest, one of the reasons we hate it is because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to tell people we're going to take this mountain and then we end up not being able to take the mountain. It's embarrassing to tell people, you know, I'm believing God for this and I feel like God has put it in my heart to start a business, but then the business falls apart and crumbles. It's in business. It's, it's embarrassing when we tell people, you know, we're pregnant and we're expecting a baby and Time goes on and we lose the baby. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when, when we've always been the picture-perfect family and if everybody really knew what was going on behind the scenes, we're not the picture-perfect family. It's, it's embarrassing. I think one of, the, one of the reasons we struggle so much with things not going, to, going according to plan is because it's embarrassing. It, it touches a part of us that is a part of our significance. And it's not just embarrassing. It's also hurtful. It's painful to go through things when I thought it was going to go this way. And it went, does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? It hurts. It hurts when we get everybody excited about our lives, about the business deal that we're going to land or the house that we qualified for, and it doesn't play out. It, it, it hurts. Could you imagine what Peter felt like? Here I am standing up for God. And how does Jesus respond? Peter, put your sword away. What are you doing, dude? Could you, could you imagine how that felt? What? Am I the only one that feels like, God, after all I've done for you, you're going to allow this to happen to me? <laughs> I mean, imagine Peter. After all I've done for you, here I am actually playing my part. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, and you're going to let me go down like this? God, after all I've done, I don't know how many times, God, after all I've done for you, and you're still, they're, they're still going to die? And I prayed like my best prayers, and this is going to happen? This is serious? I, I don't know. Am I the only one that feels like that sometimes? After, after, after all that I've done for you, I hear... I've given my life for this. I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to be devoted. I've tried to be a follower. And all of a sudden in my life, I, I experience this hurt. I experience this pain. Really what I'm experiencing, when things don't go according to plan, I find myself disappointed. And if you don't know how to deal with disappointed, disappointed is a very dangerous place to be. Let me say it again. If you don't know how to deal with disappointed, disappointed is a very dangerous place to be. Because disappointed will cause you to be a person that you're not. What, what, what am I talking about? When you're disappointed, you have behaviors, you act certain ways, you do certain things that you would never do otherwise. Have you ever been in a situation where, what is up with me? What is going on with me? You ever been in a relationship or a marriage or a friendship with somebody? You say, what is, what is your deal, dude? Like, 
what's going on? Nothing. What, nothing's going on with me. A lot of times in life when we find ourselves disappointed, we actually become other people. And you can pull a plethora of different examples from, from this text. I mean, think about it. There's Peter. Peter is off. He's by himself warming his hands by the fire. The text says that this girl comes to him. One person comes to him. The text says that he responds to them. Think about that. One person comes to him, he responds to them. When you find yourself disappointed, not only do you make everything a big deal, you feel like you owe everybody an explanation. Do you, you don't ever feel this pressure? When I'm going through something, yeah, you know, it just things didn't work out. But, you know, we're still trying. We're believing God. We're trusting God. Things are probably going to turn around. It's probably going to work out. We feel like we owe these explanations. We, we take molehills and we make mountains out of them. We think everybody's talking about us and everybody's thinking about us. The problem with this is it creates a tremendous amount of insecurity on the inside of us so we're not able to actually experience the life that God predestined for us to live because we're consumed with our position and where we're at in life. When you're disappointed, man, when you're disappointed, you find yourself in this position. When you're disappointed, you burn your bridges. Here he is. It's like, Peter, you should have just kept your mouth shut. Side note, side, side note, be careful who you allow access into your life when you're vulnerable. My, my thought is, Peter, why are you talking to anybody? Just keep your mouth shut, man. When, when you're going through disappointment, be cautious at who you give access to your life. I've learned the hard way. Not everybody is just interested because they care. Many people are interested just because they want the scoop. When you find yourself disappointed, make big things out of little things. You find yourself owing an explanation to everybody. You burn your bridges. He's shouting from the rooftops, I don't know the man. You ever been, here's the problem with burning your bridges. We, we, there's a passage of scripture that says, uh, Jesus actually says it. He says that no, why do you talk about good? He says, no one is good but God. That's, that's borderline offensive to me. It's like, well, I'm trying. I mean, can't you tell me I'm a little bit good? But that's not what he's trying to communicate. He's, what he's saying is, humans, you guys don't even understand what good is. It's, it's like a human walking by an anthill, and you see the busy little ants, everybody doing their job, acting like their life really matters. And you're like, oh, these ants. These ants don't have the ability to grasp what is real and sense to us, and it's the same way between us and God. See, this is why we don't, when we say things are bad, really they're just bad because they didn't go the way you wanted them to go. God is, is he, 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 he sees a picture that you cannot. He is putting together an ultimate masterful puzzle, and you're just a piece of the puzzle. Sometimes when things don't go your way, you have to be cautious. Hear me. I know you're mad at your employer, but don't burn your bridge. God may be working on something that you don't see behind the scenes, and the thing that you think is demotion is actually setting you up for a promotion. It's easy to get discouraged when things don't go your way because I don't see the full picture. Not only do I burn my bridges, but here he is cursing at little girls, just, just mean and nasty. I want to encourage somebody today that you don't really understand yourself. What is the, what is the deal with my moodiness? Why am, why am I like this? Sometimes you're not a bad person. Sometimes you're just disappointed. Sometimes life hasn't played out the way that you thought it should play out, and you really don't know how to handle it and how to navigate it. And if you don't know how to deal with disappointed, disappointed is a dangerous place to be. Because disappointment will not just cause you to experience things you never thought you would. It will cause you to do things you never thought you would. Disappointment, Lee, it is the road to denial. 
Peter finds himself in denial. Can I just, here's a little side note. God's not really worried about your denial. His, the, the blood that was shed on the, it's really, not, it's really not about that. It's about dealing with this idea of when things don't go your way. Peter, you were actually in denial long before you were in denial. What am I talking about? Before you denied, you were in denial about a lot of things. A lot of times we don't like to accept our reality because we feel like it makes us less of a person. And what God is trying, I think, to get Peter to understand is, Peter, I already know what you are. Why don't you make peace with what you are? Peter is, (laughs) what is Peter in denial about? Peter is in denial about what he is. What is he? Oh, I'm a, I won't betray you. I'm a man of God. Peter, you may be a man of God, but at the end of the day, you're still just a man. Humans are so weird. Like we spend, we're the only species on the planet Earth that spends our life trying to be something that we're not. We're like little, we're like little dogs dressed up in cute sweaters that walk around and like, look at us. Dude, you're still a dog. Like you may, you may have learned how to be trained. You can sit and you can stay and you can play the game. We have strategies and we're smart. Look what our business did. At the end of the day, you're still a dog. I mean, not literally, you're human, but it, you know what I mean? I'm not just like trying to beat you down. If you want to be able to find peace in your life, if you want to be able to deal with disappointment and things not going according to plan, you've got to own what you are. We place these expectations on ourselves like you're supposed to be a God. You're not supposed to be a God. God understands what you are. God did not die for Peter because he would be a good fisherman. He didn't, he, I mean, he didn't come to for Peter because he would make a good disciple. He understood what Peter was. Peter was a fisherman. He was a human. He was a person in need of help. He was a person in need of courage. He was a person in need of God coming and putting his life back together. God knows what you are. Why do you fight it? God knows what you are. Why do you fight it? I think we need to normalize being human again. I mean, when's the last, here's what I think. I think we need to, instead of social media posting all the pretty things, all of us dogs dressed up in our cute little sweaters, I think, I think we just need, here's a little selfie for the internet. Here's a picture of a man who just cursed out his son's first grade teacher. Hashtag human. hashtag in need of the grace of God I think we need here's a picture of my house and what it looks like six out of seven days of the week it's not always clean it's actually pretty messy hashtag human just take a picture of your workplace here's a picture of the place that I work it feeds my family and provides for my kids but every time I leave I just talk trash about my boss the whole day long hashtag human (laughs) we can keep going Here's a picture of my church. I don't, <laughs> I don't give or contribute, but I sure have a lot of opinions of what they should be doing. <laughs> oh, don't get mad. You know it's true. I mean, at some point, we got to quit the pony show, folks. To not be in denial about what we are. God loves broken humanity. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever would believe in him might have eternal life. He didn't come for people who had their act together. He didn't come for people who dotted their I's and crossed their T's. He came for broken, desperate, broken humanity. You know why it's hard for us to own what we are? Because we're also in denial about what we're supposed to do. And there's a conflict because what I am, I don't think it has the ability to do what I'm supposed to do. 
I'm still trying to jump through hoops to get God to bless me. It's so easy when you're going through life to lose sight of like the message and you just start trying to access the principles. Like just think about that for a second. When's the last time you just like were with God because you love God? Or, or, we, or, or we just get, I, I don't, maybe I'm just talking to myself. You get so caught up trying to crack the code. How can I prosper? I got to get my scriptures for prosperity. And if I read all this, then God has to do this. If I do this, then God has to. What about just loving God? No, 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 no. I, I, am, I am pro your prosperity. I am pro your healing. But we try to sometimes access things from the outside in. And the way things work in the kingdom of God is they must first be accessed from the inside out. I mean, this, this is literally the message. I don't know how many times I've, I find myself, like, reading Scripture, trying to, trying to find, what is the strategy? What is, what is, the, what is the, the, the key that unlocks the lock? You know, we read all of the principles and sometimes forget the story, folks. God inserted himself into humanity. He came down from heaven showing humans he's not looking for you to get up on his level pause time out think about it he's not looking for you to get up on his level he's fully comfortable coming right on down to where you're at jesus think about this this is the message how do i get prosperity how do i crack the code how do i become the person i'm supposed to be how do i find peace in my life how do i make sure my kids are serving god how do i get healing when i'm feeling sick he, he says that jesus came down to earth and you know what he did he spent his life showing people how to live. And how did you live? He showed them how to live by showing them how to love. What? Yeah. Walk around and if people are hungry, feed them. If people are hurting, heal them. If people are building structures to tell you how God works, tear them down. I... I I love God so much, and I love Jesus so much, but I, have, I honestly have trouble with Christians. <laughs> Cultural, now, please don't try to pick apart what I'm saying. Cultural Christianity is what I'm talking about. We, we, we literally took a guy, God, who came to earth to tear down the structures of religion that made people feel safe because they felt like they were actually doing something for God. He came and he tore those down. He broke religion down. And then what did we do? We made a religion out of him. This is why from the foundations of this church, my dad has always said, proclaimed from the rooftops, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. God spends his life, Jesus spends his life doing what? Showing people how to love. And you know what those people did? They killed him. They murdered him. They pinned him to a tree. They stripped him of his clothes. They ripped out his beard. They humiliated him. And you know what God did? He came back from the dead and he showed him how to love some more. Huh? What are you, what are you talking about? He came back from the dead and he goes to to all of the disciples who had betrayed and turned their back on him. And uncle, you can come back to the piano. He goes and he finds all these guys and he starts to reconcile. <laughs> this is the message that you say you believe in. 
He comes to Peter and he says, Peter, Jesus, Jesus, after what I did, you're coming back to me? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Because the fact that I'm standing here shows you that I love you. Peter, do you, do you, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you, you, know, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. What is he talking about? Peter, if you love me, let's just, let's just forget it all. Let's get back to doing the thing that we love. Feed my sheep, helping people, healing people, finding a need and meeting a need, living. F- this is what he's getting at, living freely. Why is Jesus not, not thrown off that these guys are going to betray him? He already know that he's coming to pay a price that they cannot pay. Some of us live like there's still a balance that is owed. We, we, we treat God like our car broke down on the side of the road, and if you could just jumpstart me, I think I'll be good. No. No. He could jumpstart you and your car would die again. He would jumpstart you and your car would die again. We are not people who need God one time. We are people who are in desperation in need of God all the time. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who knows how many hairs are on your head, the God who knows the beginning from the end and loves you anyway. Do you love me? Let's get back to what we're doing. Let's get back to what we're doing. Let's get back to what we're doing. You know what I love that Jesus didn't do? He didn't come back and say, hey, Peter, Jesus, why don't you get a notebook? I'm going to give you some principles of things that you can do to not make this same mistake again. He didn't do that. That's what we do. That's what we probably expect him to do. Yeah. Hey, get a notebook. Why don't you take some notes? Because you really blew it back there. Yeah. I mean, that's not real good child of God behavior, Peter. Come on. This, is, this is how we think, folks. No, he comes back and he doesn't really even discuss it. He says, Peter, I love you. You love me. I've set you free. I said, see, here's the thing about freedom. You will never truly be free as long as you think that this is the way that it has to be. No, hear it again. You will never truly, what is free? Free from everything. The opinions of man, free from the the burdens of the bad habits, free from these ideas that I'm supposed to be more than I am, free from this idea that I just will never measure up. If I could just do this, this, and this, then I would be free from all of that. He says, I've already set you free. You can never, you can, but you can never be free as long as you put it in a box and God has to do it this way. And if he doesn't do it this way, do you not understand that he put money in fish's mouth for the disciples to be able to pay their taxes? That's pretty unconventional if you ask me. And you're worried about how your check didn't come in the mail this last week? Right, right. If we could ever truly just be free and, and, and really really, really, this is what we got to do. Jesus said, Jesus did what Jesus does at the end of this conversation. He says the same thing that he said to Peter the first time he found him. He said this. He said, just, let's forget it all. Just follow me. What? Just follow me. See, as long as you spend your life just trying to be a better person, you will always end up a bitter person. Is this not a picture of what most church folk are like? I mean, I've grown up in this church. I'm 36 years old. Most of the church people that I've, I've met, they're, they're kind of grumpy. They're kind of mean. They're kind of judgmental. I mean, they act like they love you. You can tell me, so then go tell somebody else. I mean, this, this just, 
And, and, and why? I think, I honestly think because we're, we're in denial. We, may, we, we, we preach and pontificate this message of God, but do we really have it in our gut? Do we really have it in our body? Do we really live out this message? He says, follow me. I think, you know, I've really come to tell somebody today, I wish you would just fall in love with God again. Not the version of him that you've created to make yourself feel safe. I wish that you would just fall in love with God again. Good, come on. I, I get it. Humans, we, we are so driven on the inside towards being better and change. And God wants you to change, but it doesn't happen the way that you think. I mean, how does, like, just stop and think about it. Like, how have you really changed? I don't mean to get too, like, just, like, book knowledge on you, but, like, the way that it works is we have values. Our values dictate our behavior. So the things that I, I believe in the core, the convictions on the inside, those are the things that I act on. Well, the funny thing about values, and just track me for a second, the th funny thing about values is they're, they're kind of like instilled, imprinted on you as a child. There's a handful of them that you kind of pick. But then from there, after you're young and your values have been instilled or you picked a few, you don't really get to pick them again. And this is how I know, because you can read self-help book after self-help book after self-help book after self-help book. You can take notes in your phone after notes in your phone after notes in your phone and notes in your phone. You can get on your, on your whiteboard and you can try to memorize so I can get on the inside, but we still struggle to make it a value. What, what actually changes our values? When, when, we, when we go through stuff, when you go through stuff, what happens? Your values are like anchors. Anchors are tested in storms. The way that you know if something can actually last is when you go, can I tell you, the, the times that I've learned most about God are not when everything has been peachy in the way that I want it to go. The times that I've learned most about God is when I've been so desperate, not knowing how I was gonna feed my family or take care of and provide and, and thinking these, God, what? God, I, I just need you. I learned something about God. What happens is I, I see things that were old value systems, all those things, I realize, oh, those anchors can't hold. And all of a sudden, new values come into my life and then with new values come new behaviors see we're big on seeking knowledge in order to change but what we really should be seeking is experience this is why you should be present with your kids and present with your family this is why you should spend your life trying to experience more of God why because when I experience God there's something that happens on the inside of me there's something that changes. You know, my dad used to, we used to have these nights at church on Friday nights, and it was called On the Wall, and they were prayer nights. And all the staff used to hate them because it was like another night that we had to work. And we're like, dear God, you had to plan another church service. But can I tell you, it was one of the most powerful things that you could do because you're creating a space for our community to come together and do what? To experience God. You want change in your life? You can't get it from the outside in. You can only get it from the inside out. I have to experience God. What does that look like? Heck if I know. Follow me. See where I lead you. Go where I go. Do the things that I tell you to do. But I want a prescription. I want to know line upon line. Give me a strategy. God, give me some, give me a principle, something that I could do, that I could lead the team with. He says, no, just follow me. Just get up from doing what you're doing. Stop obsessing over your behaviors and stop obsessing over the thing that you wish you were, not that you are. And just follow me. I wish you would get back to dreaming and living the way that you did before your interpretation of failure taught you otherwise. Wow, come on. Good, good, good. 
I think some of us have lost our courage because we went through things that we don't know how to analyze, analyze and make sense of. And so rather than actually surrender it to God, we just kind of keep it in our back pocket. Like one day, one day maybe somehow it'll make sense. But can I tell you that thing in your back pocket is actually keeping you from the thing that God wants you in your future. Yes. God has so much life for you to live. If you would, instead of just holding on, let go. Seriously, Nick? Again? Yeah. Yeah. The Christian life is not one of understanding everything. I wish that it was. Trust me, I wish that I could tell you. Okay, you know, I, I, I hope that we don't just make the Bible a manual for living. I hope that we understand that it is the breathing word of God. It is the greatest love story of all time. See, Peter thought that his denial would be his dismissal. But really, Peter's denial was his deliverance. From what? God? Wow, you're different than I thought you were. You're different than the preacher told me you were. You're different than the version of God that society pontificated was you. You're, you're, you're different. For those of you sitting here in this place, and you know, I get it. I, I really do. I have a lot of empathy for church people. But it's easy to get in these like, we are in control. Okay, I hear you about the grace of God, but what about, you know, you can't abuse the grace of God. It's like, dude, come on. Seriously? You're, you're still there? Like, since when did you become the manager of the grace of God? And, and, here, and here's, here's, what, here's why I say that. Here's why I say that. And I don't, I don't I honestly, please hear my heart. I don't mean it in a cocky way or like anything like that. All I know is the Bible says that there are angelic beings that fly around the throne of God. And they say, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, you know what that means? It means Kadesh, which it means different, different, different. It means every time they fly around, they say, oh, wow. I thought you were going to do that, and you actually did this. What? For all of eternity. And you think because you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you got God figured out? This is why I tell wherever you're at in your journey, fall in love with God. Yeah, but what's the what's the ten year plan for the church? What is this church really about? What's your vision? We're gonna follow God. Yeah, but do you have a good children's program? And then like, what are, what are you really gonna do? Like, how do we know if we can like plug in? We just love God. We don't know what we're gonna do. We're not looking for a strategy. We're not looking for a prescription. We're not looking to dot our eyes and cross our T's. We're gonna show up and we're gonna know God and we're gonna make Him known. We're gonna experience what it is to be in communion, to do life in tandem, hand in hand with our God. If you could ever get to that place, you'd find out that actually disappointment is not a horrible thing because it's a reminder. What's the reminder? I'm not God. He is. So if it didn't work out, I'm not worried about it. He must have a better plan. <laughs> like I thought my plan was pretty good, but you know, 
I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm not going to be in distress. I'm t- I mean, aren't you tired of just being miserable? Aren't you tired of being so grumpy? Aren't you tired of life not being fun? Why? He's freed you, folks. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. So why do we live our lives like an animal that has been tied to a tree when he's cut the cord? He's cut the cord of the thing that holds you back, so live. Be free. Love your family. Be grateful for the experience that every second of the day that I have oxygen going into my lungs and out of my lungs. And it may not be pretty and it may not be perfect and it may not be everything that I think it should be, but I am not God and I am on this ride with him and I trust that the one who put me here has a plan for me to accomplish while I am here. And I'm not going to be down on myself for what I am because if he chose me, then he believes that I'm fully capable of the things that he has called me to do. And I'm not going to be sidelined by disappointment. I'm not going to be sidelined by the things that I don't understand because my faith is not in my ability to make things work. My faith is in his ability. And what he started, what he he started, he will finish. Business owner, Stop stressing out over the five-year plan. If he called you to it, he'll see you through it. (laughs) No, no, no. Not like catchy preacher slogan. If he called you to it, he will see you through it. He knows the future, so you don't have to close your eyes to me all across this room. God, I ask in this place, in these final few moments that we share together, that you would do something in the hearts of the people in this room that only you can do. And I don't even know what it is that needs to happen, but you do. Maybe answer to the questions, maybe peace in the middle of the storm, maybe just a reassurance that they're going to be okay, even though it seems like things are not. I believe for some of you, it's time to start dreaming again. And I know it sounds really cliche in a church setting that it's time to start dreaming again. I think it's time to start taking notes again. Those, I believe there's note takers in this room, people who used to write things down. And you went from writing things down to remember what God has brought you through to writing things down, a list of things that you need to do. Hear, Hear that again. Go from writing things that you need to do to be better to actually writing things down to remember to remember what? I got, I got to remember that he brought me through this because when you go through disappointment, the answer is not looking for the way out. It's, rem- it's remembering that you know the way. And if you know the way, any way is a way out. If you're in this place today and you've never made a decision to place your faith in Christ, this is the essence of the message that I'm really just up here yelling about this morning. God loves you. He's for you. He doesn't want your stomach in knots every single day. Dads, he doesn't want you feeling like a less than person because you wish that you were better. He loves you. He loves you. And that's it. If you've never made a decision to place your faith back in him, the truth is, in life, you're going to crash. Where are you going to crash? I suggest you crash into the one who's already crashed into you. You're going to have moments where things don't go your way, but it's okay if you're connected to the source. Because I don't have to know the way. My faith is in the one who does. If you've never made a decision, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's super simple. And I'm going to ask everybody under the sound of my voice, because I just have a hunch 
that there's many of us in this place that have been followers of Christ for a long time, that we in our hearts feel conviction from the Holy Spirit today that I just need to get back to doing life with God again. Not trying to figure it out, not trying to make sense of things that don't make sense, not trying to dot my I's and cross my T's. I just, I just, need, to, I just need to be with him again. Not looking for the principle that unlocks success. Just be with God because if I get God, I get success. Would you pray this prayer? All across this room, say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe in my heart and I say out of my mouth, you are the son of God. I believe that you lived for me and I believe that you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Say, today I call you my savior and I make you my Lord. Say this, say, Jesus, help me to live the life you made me to live. I'm yours. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 